Welcome to another Charity Chat podcast. I'm Osman Mughal and I'm delighted to be speaking with Agnes Ajaypong today. Agnes is engagement lead at Best Beginnings. Best Beginnings is an organisation which works to engage, equip, educate and empower parents to maximise their children's life chances. Agnes is also Maternity Voices Partnerships Chair at Guy's and St Thomas's Hospital and a school governor where her work is centred around early years development. In 2018, she founded the Glow Mama Awards, a prestigious annual awards celebrating the achievements of mums on social media, which encourages mothers to rediscover their glow after pregnancy. In today's conversation, I talked to Agnes about her journey into the third sector and the support Best Beginnings is providing families as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. For example, we touch on the See, Hear and Respond programme in partnership with Bernardo's and their engagement through their Baby Buddy app. We also touch on the importance of having a truly equitable, diverse and inclusive workforce and how to meaningfully engage individuals from a diverse range of backgrounds. This episode is brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Charity People. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Today, I have the pleasure to speak to Agnes, who is engagement lead at Best Beginnings. Welcome to the podcast, Agnes. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here and you're doing some wonderful work in the sector and we will touch on that a little bit later. But for our audience, could you please give us a brief overview of your career to date and the key roles and responsibilities that you've held and what really attracted you to the non-for-profit sector? Sure. So um, as you already introduced, my name is Agnes and I'm the engagement lead at the national charity um, Best Beginnings. Um, and it was, it's kind of a funny um, story of how I fell into a charity. So I did my master's in international relations at, at Queen Mary's about 10 years ago um, with this hope that I would, you know, work within the sector um, abroad, especially in developing countries and so forth. Um, but it didn't kind of prove that way. Um, I ended up working in recruitment um, in a completely different area in IT and then oil and energy um, and just in other different different areas. Um, and it was actually after having my children and going through some not so pleasant experiences during my, my, my childbirth that I started advocating for, for women um, predominantly within the maternal health space. I um, founded an award called the Glow Mama Awards, um, which celebrates the achievements of, of social media. And that was really because I was at home a lot. I, you know, I wasn't really feeling the best version of myself um, as, as a new mum. And I, I wanted to create a platform that celebrated all those other mums that were making me glow through social media. Um, and from that, everything just just kind of spiralled um, and just, it was just such a good platform and we had this fantastic award and I just fell, on, fell into this, 
this space of um, maternity and an early year. So it was a real organic and non-eclectic, non-straight pathway. Um, and then from there, I became the Maternity Voices Partnership Chair at St. Guy's and St. Thomas Hospital, um, and then working with Best Beginnings as well. That's really inspirational to hear, Agnes. Through your own challenges, you managed to turn it into a positive. And do you feel that those experiences have helped you um, in your current role as engagement lead at Best Beginnings? Definitely. I mean, I, when I worked in recruitment, it was something that I was good at, but I didn't necessarily like doing that job. And I was always thinking, when am I going to be able to really pursue my passion and you know wake up in the morning and Monday doesn't feel like Monday if that makes any sense um but you know we have bills to pay and so I I you know I I worked that's what you do um and so being able to literally you know a decade after having undertaken a master's with the view that I wanted to work in that sector to be in this sector in the way that I am um it is you know, this is this was my dream. This is what I always wanted to do, and I just feel really fortunate that I am I'm I'm currently doing it. Absolutely, that's brilliant to hear your story and the way it's come full circle. And in your current role, you mentioned Best Beginnings, and for our audience and those that haven't heard of Best Beginnings, do you mind giving us an overview of what Best Beginning does and the vision and mission of the organisation? Yeah, so Best Beginnings is a national charity that exists to reduce inequalities. And we do this through a number of ways, not least through our NHS approved Baby Buddy app, um, which has had over 300,000 um, downloads. Um, and we're really about reducing inequalities. That's kind of a, our, our, our key motto. Um, at the moment, um, one of our key um, platforms for doing that is through our See, Here Respond program, which offers free group support um, and one-to-one -one support and digital support for those families that have been impacted by the COVID pandemic, which I'll go into later and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, and so we've, we've got a large reach um, and we're just really doing the work within the community, um, not just from a top-down approach, but also from a grassroots role. And you mentioned the work that you're doing with See, Here Respond campaign and the impact of COVID-19. And we know across the sector, COVID-19 has had a substantial impact and it's an impact that will keep going on for several more months and maybe even years. Can you just update us in terms of what challenges your organisation is facing at Best Beginnings in regards to COVID-19 that may be helpful for other organisations? But more specifically with the See Here Respond campaign, how did that really come about and which organisations are you partnering with and how are you being able to support your beneficiaries? Sure. So I think the sector and everybody is, is feeling like, not even just the sector, the world. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, you know, it's... It's a year we will never forget. We will never forget. And I think everybody has been impacted in some way, some shape, some form. Um, and I suppose our key challenges is really being able to support um, and 
and help all the people that we want to help because there's just so many and you know the resources are limited and in regards to what we can do um and so that kind of leads on to how this project came about so part of my role as the engagement lead it's one of those titles that is like it says a lot without saying a lot um, but in short it's really about making sure that the work that we're doing is really engaging with those that need it the most within our community um, so i'm engaging with parents i'm engaging with midwives health professionals other charities just engaging with all different stakeholders um, and that's really how this project came about so it's a partnership with Bernardo's um, and we're also partnering with um, a few other fantastic organizations one being Prosperities, um, another being Mums Aid and also another being Bethel um, and it came about because of the Covid pandemic um, you know the added stress that many new families have come under as a result of being locked down with young children, as a result of giving birth in a pandemic. I mean, some of the stories that I've heard, um, and I've, I, I don't want to say bear witness to, because obviously I've not <laughs> seen it, but bear witness to in the sense that these are their stories and they're sharing it with me are absolutely horrendous. Um, and you said something about, you know, this pandemic having far reaching implications and, you know, in the next few months to, to years, for me, I'm seeing that this, this could be transformative um, in, uh, impact. You know, I'm talking about decades and decades if we don't get it right. And the See Here Respond is a, it provides that free group support um, and therapeutic support for those that need it and digital support to those families right now um, that need it. Um, it is until the end of November. So for those that do do want to know more about it, you can find out more information on our website, which is www.bestbeginnings.org.uk. Um, and, and you can check it out there and you can, you can sign up. It's a weekly um, support sessions um, and, it, and it's totally free. And as you, we all know, there's so many challenges. We, we um, published the Babies in Lockdown report in collaboration with the Parent Infant Foundation and, and Homestar. And so we're doing a lot of analysis of what the problems are. But what we're also doing is making sure that we're coming up with solutions or um, I don't want to say total solutions because this is, I, I'm not trying to um, portray this as the fix all solution but just different solutions to be able to support those that need it the most thank you agnes and we will certainly share the babies in lockdown report on our website and also the link to your website so people that are listening to this podcast have easy access to it one of the things that's really been encouraging to see for me as somebody who also works in the sector is despite all of the challenges that covid19 has brought we have seen some positives come out of that too. So for example, organisations really working together and collaborating at such short notice and really providing a holistic support package to beneficiaries. And I think your example of See, Hear, Respond is a perfect example of that. And also, like you said, COVID-19 will have consequences further down the line. And it's so important the work that you're doing because at the end of the day, children are our future. And if we don't invest in them and if we let circumstances take their course, then that will not necessarily lead to the best results. 
I just want to touch a little bit more about this program. Would you like to share some case studies or some idea of the level of challenges that people are facing at the moment during COVID-19? Yes, sure. Um, where do I start and where do I finish? And you're going to have to, to stop me <laughs> because um, literally it is, it is awful. Um, I'll start off by saying that we know not every single person um, has had a, you know, an awful experience during the pandemic. There has been some, um, in, the, in the same way that organisations and charities have been able to come together and collaborate in a positive way, there have been some positives that have come out of it. Um, but for those that have been impacted, you know, the impact, the negative impact has been disproportionate. And in particular to those that are from underrepresented communities, from a lower socioeconomic background, um, they have been hit the hardest. And I'll give you a few, a few examples. So firstly, we already knew prior to the pandemic that black women were five times more likely to die in, in pregnancy and, and our babies were twice as likely to be born, stillborn. Um, we've already known this before. And just, you know, during the pandemic, we were told that pregnant women were at no increased risk of catching uh, you know, any serious uh, complications as a result of catching the, 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 the COVID, um, the coronavirus. However, what we do know is that those that come from black, Asian and minority ethnic backgrounds, the pregnant women, were actually 55% more likely to be hospitalised despite making up something like 13% of the population. So we know that there was a disproportionate impact there. Um, and, you know, kind of keeping in, in, that, in that theme, I've spoken to so many pregnant and new mums who... Are, are literally traumatized. Um, there was a lady that I spoke to very recently and she experienced preterm bleeding and she went to hospital, called the ambulance, went to hospital with her husband. Her husband was eventually you know, kicked out of hospital, not just in the waiting area, but kicked out when he knew that you know, his wife is, is bleeding, which shouldn't be happening. And she was in such you know, severe pain, still he was kicked out. Now, because he had gone to hospital in an ambulance, he didn't have his car, and so he thought, okay, you know what, let me at least walk back and go and get her some clothes and do something so I can be, I can be useful. Um, she was experiencing, you know, really bad care, um, really traumatic care, not being supported by the midwife that she had on board, and literally within an hour or so of him leaving they were like oh actually um your baby's about to come i believe she was about 34 weeks um she had to she i don't know where she got the strength from and she doesn't know when she looks back but she managed to text her husband and a doula to be like eight centimeters baby coming literally just that sentence and within the next 10 minutes the baby had arrived again she's 34 weeks pregnant so the baby is, is preterm and her husband got that text and started running back to the hospital running back for his dear life because he didn't have any more information you know there's no visitors allowed in the hospital so the wife was literally by herself and he was worried he ran back got to the hospital and because he was out of breath, of course, his temperature was raised because he was running. They wouldn't let him in the hospital saying that he had COVID because of his temperature. Mm. 
So you can imagine the scene, he's there trying to get in and explain, no, I was just kicked out of the hospital, I was here, I was just kicked out, let me in. Um, Eventually, because of the commotion, the security guards that had kicked him out um, came and were like, oh yes, yes, he was just in and, and basically backed up his story and he was allowed in. And then when he got to the next section, which was the maternity section, Again, he wasn't allowed in. So by the time he actually got to his wife, she'd already given birth and then he was kicked back out again. You know, it's just that kind of trauma. Before COVID, having a baby is already a joyous but scary time and you really want that support. Um, And so with COVID and with all the news and I'm sure many of your listeners and, and yourself you know, I've had so many WhatsApp messages during this time about COVID. This is a time that women really need and want that support and and not having that support and their partners being kicked out at times when th- their partners have really needed the most has been counterproductive for some. And saying that, you know, we understand that you can't have the hospital full of visitors um, day and night because there is a, a, a pandemic, but we do need to change the, the approach a, a little bit. And I am glad to say that some hospitals now have kind of lifted up their visiting restrictions and are allowing um, visitors to come in um, to, to hospitals on the back of these kind of stories. Of course, yeah, and absolutely, it's so important that we keep everybody safe, but at the same time, provide support where and when it's needed as well. And am I right in saying that Best Beginnings, they provide that life to, lifeline for people that need it in those circumstances? You are, you are correct in saying that, and I, this is where I refer to our NHS Approved Baby Buddy app, you know. With the lockdown, um, I think we've all being more digitally inclined with the way that we work so we already had this tool anyway for the past um for the past couple of years i believe it's about five years or so that we've we've already been um you know been pushing out baby buddy but now more than ever actually having this digital resource has been a lifeline for so many and on our app we've got a, a, you know a, a crisis messenger a crisis button so basically if a woman is really feeling or a mum is really feeling stressed she can you know press that button and and, and get that support straight away um, we've got so many different videos on, on on baby buddy you know from breastfeeding support to perinatal um tips um, just to all round support around, you know, pregnancy and beyond. And because women have not been able to have that support from their health visitors, you know, that face-to-face, it has really been an essential tool for many to be able to access that key information. I must say the team at Best Beginnings has been quite busy in the last six months. You've produced a new report, Babies in Lockdown, um, you obviously are have developed um, parts of the Baby Buddy app and you are working on the See, Hear, Respond program as well with Bernardo's and other partners. So it's certainly been a very busy time <laughs> for you guys it's at Best been- Beginnings. 
it, it has been very, very, very busy. Um, we are, so with Baby Buddy, that's something that we have been doing for, um, we're, we're known for that and it's something that we're, we're known strongly about. But at the moment, we're upgrading to our Baby Buddy 2.0, let's call it that. Um, and that's, so Baby Buddy's going to actually incorporate the child's health record up until the age of five. So normally you get your red book, which is where you put all that information about your baby. And every time you go to the health visitor or the doctors and, and, and so forth, and you know, we get the immunizations that goes on the red book. So we're, we're working with the editors to digitalize that and have that up until the fifth birthday. So that's been keeping our team very busy. Um, and in addition to the See, Here Respond project, there's been just so much collaboration going on behind the scenes. Um, and I'm really hopeful for the future. You know, after the dust has settled, I'm really optimistic about our, our community and how we're going to be working together moving forward. And now I wanted to move on to another area of, of your work, um, Agnes, that you are currently doing. You recently wrote an article which you kindly provided to me, which I've had the pleasure of reading, talking about the lack of service user engagement and involvement, particularly those from black and brown women in maternity and perinatal mental health research. You've already mentioned the fact that it's so important that we get a diverse range of people involved in research so we are able to understand the, the common issues, the themes that we can perhaps work on. I'd like to now explore the several points that you made in this blog and we will certainly share it for people that would like to read it. And it's an incredibly important topic for organisations across our sector that we reach people from all backgrounds to ensure that our programmes and services are truly inclusive. COVID-19 has laid bare the inequities in our society and the Black Lives Matter movement has shown the injustices that we have as a society. And I just wanted to understand from your point of view, how did that article come about and what were the main themes and areas of that research? Yeah, so thank you um, for reading the blog, um, firstly. I, so in addition to Best Beginnings, um, as I said in the beginning, I run an award called the Glow Mama Awards. I'm also Maternity Voices Partnership Chair, and I sit on a number of different um, committees. And because of the pandemic, I've been on, I can't, I can't even count how many Zoom um, meetings of committees that I'm not involved in, but just talking about um, reaching, you know, underrepresented communities, reaching, dare I say this word, but reaching BAME communities and, you know. I feel your pain. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, um, I'll go into that, you know, and, and the damages of that. But, and I'm always asked these questions and, and, and so forth from well-meaning people within our sector. Um, and it's like, I just felt that I needed to write it down in one place so that people understand and understood. And it, it's not a a one sentence answer, you know, there's so many different layers to it. And even with the blog um, and the article, you know, that, that is just a, a summary, you know, it, it's so complex, but I wanted a place to be like, look, I've been asked this for the, <laughs> the hundredth time. 
this is what it is. These are the issues, you know. Before you're asking those questions, there are certain questions within the research community and within our sector that we need to be asking ourselves first as to why we're not getting that engagement. Um, and it's just so important. You know, if we're expecting as a, as a sector and as a community to be able to support the most vulnerable people within our society, um, the, those that are from seldom heard communities, and we're really authentically um, saying that we want to do that, then I don't think it's a big ask to be saying that our leadership teams and our sector and those that are in decision making and those that are lead researchers and those that are also, you know, applying for funding and, and, and so forth, that they're made up from the very community that you're expecting to reach. You know, to me, this is like basic things that we, we, we should be, um, we should all understand um, and, and basic things that we should be doing. Um, I understand that there is a lot of work, um, there's a lot of work that we need to do, but I'm really hopeful because now more than ever, and I believe it is because of the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests and so forth that have happened this year, people are asking the questions, you know, whereas before I didn't feel like not just our sector, but just in general, I didn't feel that people were were really asking the questions or really seeing or listening to what we were saying. Whereas now, there's definitely a lot of amplification going on, a lot of listening, and a lot of people that are ready to learn and be a student. Absolutely, and I completely agree with your your point that you made about authenticity. And we have to engage with our senior leadership teams, executive leadership teams, trustees, authentically to ensure that we are reaching communities that we say that we serve, but are we genuinely serving them without even listening to them and understanding their needs? And I sit on a number of um, inclusion groups um, where I work and also across the sector and come out for me in the last few months, certainly given the inequities that COVID-19 has showed and also the impact of the Black Lives Matter movement is that we really need to have these conversations now and stop kicking the football down the road, so to speak. And what I've also been very happy to hear is a lot of people in the sector, like organisations such as Charity So White, really banging the drum and saying, what we've done so far in our sector is not good enough and shining a light on the issues and the areas that we need to improve on. Essentially what Charity So White I think have done is they've held up a mirror to our sector and it doesn't make for positive reading um, on a number of areas. And I think it's so important, you know, people like you, it's a pleasure to talk mm -hmm. to you because you're shining a light on issues that really do matter and if organisations are genuinely going to learn, develop solutions for beneficiaries, at the very least, as you said, the basic necessity is to actually listen and learn from them because they would have a lot of the answers as opposed exactly. to going in and saying, we know what's best for you and having that approach, which certainly doesn't work. I agree with everything that you said. Um, the key word here is that uh, we, we don't want 
performative um, solutions. Um, the communities have the answers a lot of the times in their communities, and there are people that can and and that can spearhead that, um, you know, in a collaborative way. And so within our sector, we need to really be looking at ourselves and saying, actually, if we're saying that we want to help underrepresented, uh, you know, seldom heard, you know, I'm trying to think what the latest terms are, but if we're trying, if we're saying that we're going out there with aim to really engage and, and to help, then we need to be expert listeners. And being an expert listener means actually having people in these communities at the table, you know, leading the charge and listening and working alongside. It can't be a top-down approach. It can't be. Um, and I think for so long that has been going on in our sector. In other sectors, not that it's 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 any better, um, but we're talking about you know a sector that is actually designed to help people. So in our sector, more than any, we can't be doing that, you know, because lives literally, you know, are, are at risk um, if, if we continue. And I'm just really hopeful that with this year with all the challenges and for just the unpredictability and the craziness and and so forth of 2020 that these are going to be some of the takeaways that we're going to take away it's not going to be something that fades into the background as as covid becomes a distant memory it's going to be a takeaway that we bring into the future and we've we the lessons learn into the way that we now operate our organizations Absolutely. And I think language is very important in how we use language when we talk about our beneficiaries. In our sector for a long time, we've spoken about these communities hard to reach. And I have a a problem with that term because no community is hard to reach. It's just that we're not engaging them in in the right way. And that's what I really liked about your blog. You were very solution focused and Black Lives Matter, COVID-19 has made us, forced us to have serious and honest conversations. But I think conversations alone are not enough. Conversations are not going to lead to action. And I think organisations across our sector really need to hone in on that point, that we can have conversations, we can put EDI on the agenda. If if, If actions are not going to be made, we'll be sitting here in 12 months' time and having the same conversations again. And that's why... I really liked your blog because it gave us some really clear examples of how we can overcome some of the challenges. So if I start firstly to just so our listeners can get a bit more of an idea, what are some of the challenges that you've written about and that you are aware of as a sector that we need to reach and engage with people from a diverse range of backgrounds, but particularly focusing on your specialism? There's many different challenges that we need to that we need to look at. Um, I, I, lo- I love the fact that you brought in the term, you know, hard to reach, um, because obviously my blog, um, I, I speak about a term. It's not really hard to reach. It's about who's trying to reach us. Um, I think our sector, especially our sector, needs to understand the history of why we are viewed as hard to reach or why it appears to be hard to reach. Sometimes we don't want to be reached by the sector because we don't trust the sector, you know? Um, And I don't think it is a surprise that um, many in our community does have that distrust, you know? And I speak about it in in my blog. I speak about, um, you know, the historical um, 
the historical issues around obstetric research um, and, and racism and exploitation. Um, but it, it, it's got into so many different tenants, so many different charity organisations saying that they're doing one thing and they're helping and so forth. But actually, the help has not gone to those that, that need it. It's gone to salaries or different projects and so forth. Um, you know, I, I don't want to name certain charities by name, but it's not even an issue of just a, a race issue. You know, we've seen the exploitation of children globally and so forth. Um, and this is not to say all of this, just to point the fingers, but if we try and live in this um, bubble of, oh, we're the charity sector and, you know, we're here just to help and there's never been any problems and, and we're living in that kind of haze, then we're not understanding some of the nuances and some of the, the perceptions that are out there about our sector. And if we don't understand these challenges, we're not able to, to address them head on, you know, address them head on, and then work together with the communities to be able to move forward. Um, we can't be an ostrich, um, <laughs> you know, and put our heads in the sand. So I think that, that's one of the, the, the key challenges is understanding the context understanding you know within the different communities what the what the perception is um what the views are what they are saying about um about our sector and then working together with the community to address that absolutely um, completely agree with you that we need to engage, listen and learn to our beneficiaries and we also need to acknowledge the, the failings of our sector in, in previous decades gone past but also build on the strengths. There's been a lot of fantastic work done in our sector for a long time now and we still we certainly need to celebrate that and build on that success but at the same time if we're honest with ourselves we also have to look at areas that we haven't done so well in and diversity, inclusion, equity is certainly an area where I think the sector can do a lot more. But as you say, I'm very hopeful that we are starting to have the right conversations. And it's quite interesting, actually, Agnes, because I think these conversations have been going on for decades, but they've just been had behind closed doors. Um, yes. And now they're just coming out into the open. So we've been talking about equity, diversity and inclusion in our society for decades. Um, but now these are having, well, I'm pleased to say that these are more kind of in the office environment. And, and towards the end of your blog, you mentioned a number of ways in which we can overcome some of these challenges. Uh, you know, for example, you touch on the importance of having um, black lead researchers um, within leadership teams to ensure that to ensure that there's an understanding, a nuanced understanding of certain issues um, related to maternity or perinatal mental health, for example. Could you touch on a little bit about what are some of the ways in which we can overcome some of these challenges? Yeah, so firstly, as, as you rightly said, I ask a, a number of questions. Um, my, my, my article was specifically for the kind of research um, arena within maternity and perinatal but it's something that can be you, you can extrapolate a lot of these points across the board you know you know are, are our leadership teams reflective of the types of audiences we are trying to reach um, you know what black researchers are we working with on this project so even within the charity sector you know if we're saying that we and I 
I, I, sorry to, to not change the subject or change the question, but I just wanted to touch on the fact that every, every, I use the term black and I don't use the term BAME in, in this article. And I do that for, on purpose because I believe that within our, within the communities, we all have our different challenges, you know, as a, as a, as a black mother in, in the UK, although our, our um, experiences are not all the same, there are some similarities that we can then, you know, put together. An Asian mother's experiences are completely different to mine or could be completely different to mine. And they need prescribed um, and, and just targeted support within that area. So lumping it all together, I think is counterproductive. So I, I, I talk about black motherhood and I talk about that experience and I talk about it unapologetically. Um, and I really am looking forward to reading other articles and blogs by Asian moms that are out there, um, you know, speaking about, you know, similar, similar themes that I touch upon, but from the Asian perspective. So I just wanted to make sure that I, I made that clear why I don't use BAME and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about black, black, black and brown, but black and brown in specific to the black experience and why it's so important to make that distinction. Because if we lump a whole, uh, uh, sorry, a whole group of, you know, different people together, then our solutions, the solutions that we're going to prescribe are not going to be relevant. They're not going to be targeted to a majority of voters in that group. So we need to be able to, um, to unpick and say, actually, this is what's going on in this community and this is how we can support and amplify and help and collaborate, et cetera, in this community and then in this community and then in this community. Um, so back to your, your point about, about some of those challenges. Um, I, we're out there, you know. I think that's the real answer to, to your point. Um, I think the question that you, you, were, you were talking around was, you know, how do we overcome some of these, these challenges in regards to some of the questions that I pose? And I talk about, you know, are, are, you know, are the leadership teams basically diverse? They're out there. You know, when I did my, I've done an undergrad, I've done a master's, I've, I've worked in, in the city and now I'm in the, um, you know, third sector, charity sector, you know, I, I always... There's so many different terms about our sector, but I'm, I'm in our sector now. Um, and I meet brilliant, brilliant people along the way. And I also meet brilliant people in our community that are already doing this work. Um, but they are not amplified in the same way. They're not funded in the same way. Um, they're not necessarily supported in the way, in the same way. And so my um, thing, and I also talk about this in the article, is actually how are we working with and, and supporting and collaborating and amplifying the voices of those who are already doing the grassroots work within the community. You know, if you, I don't think it's um, revolutionary again to say, if we're trying to, um, I don't know, reach a certain demographic um, to support, I don't know, men in perinatal research, and we're going to look for men from that demographic and we're going to expect to to work with them and we're going to look for those organizations that are already on the ground and doing that organically and and so forth it's not it's not a revolutionary thought but i think it's something that we need to be doing a lot more and we need to be funding these people a lot more what i'm seeing is that um or what i have seen and i hope that this is changing rapidly is that we have organizations that are not diverse in their leadership and in their smts um, whatsoever and but because they've been going on for quite a few years 
they're able to go out there and get the big funding, um, and, you know, and, and really, really go out there and, and, and be properly resourced to find the problems and the solutions within communities that are not really reflective of, of their team. So then what they do is they basically outsource that work and go and get um, those grassroots communities to go out there and do a majority of that work. And then they go, the, the, the same organisations go back and present these findings. Why are we not working with these grassroots organisations, amplifying them, properly resourcing them, and then giving them the platforms to be able to go out there and present the findings about their communities. Why are we not doing that? You know, it, it's in our, in our sector, I, I, I personally believe that's unforgivable and that, you know, it's something that we need to really look in ourselves and say, actually, you know, not every funding bid is necessarily for us. Or if we are going on a bid with, with, um, with, a, with a certain organisation, a grassroots organisation that doesn't have, um, you know, that kind of, big reach in terms of having a fundraising person and somebody who's, you know, an expert in writing these applications, because that's also a, a, a skill and the equity in regards to who has the resources to even fund somebody to do that versus those that doesn't. That's, that's, that's another story already within that. Um, if we are going to be working with those that are predominantly doing a majority of the work, then they should be paid accordingly. Absolutely. And I completely agree with your point about funding local grassroots organisations. And I'm really glad you made that point. I've been really encouraged in in recent months, a lot of well-known trusts and foundations are now actively looking to fund, dare I say it, BAME-led organisations. And while I don't particularly like the term BAME-led, the fact is the funding environment is changing and funding funders are understanding the importance of ensuring that the people that they're giving the money to is important in terms of distinguishing between whether that organization or that group of people can genuinely and effectively have proper engagements with the necessary beneficiaries and yeah. i know that there's a lot of communication within the funding world about that particularly a lot of bigger national trusts and foundations have set up a, a diversity, equity and inclusion coalition. And they are talking about how to make funding more diverse, more equitable and more inclusive, which is really promising to hear. So I'm really glad that you brought that point up because it's so important that we get the money to the grassroots and we get it to the people that need it and the people that can really affect the change and also who those people and communities and organisations that have trust in the communities, because it might be a big national organisation may not necessarily have that trust in a local part, part of a community, whereas a local organisation may have. Exactly, exactly. And they'll have the, the, the engagement and some of the, the problems that we're finding within our sector with, you know, low take up in, in, in research and, and, you know, all different areas, we'll find that actually if it's coming from a trust, if it's genuine and it's coming from, you know, authentic um, people that have the trust and engagement within the communities, then actually there's actually an uptake, 
you know there's actually a proper uptake um and that means the funding then is, is is meaningful and it's been used in the right way and you mentioned that you're very hopeful for the future do you think this is going to play out obviously nobody has a crystal ball but in your experience and your conversations that you're having with professionals um, and experts in your area what do you see being the next stage of developing a, a strategy which allows us to engage people from different communities? For me, I just think there's just going to be a lot more listening because that's where it starts with, you know. I, I feel for so long there hasn't been a lot of listening going on. Um, from that listening, I'm really hopeful that there's going to be more equity in regards to how funding is allocated um, and making sure that it's allocated to those that need it the most and would have more impact. I just also feel there's going to be a lot more collaboration, you know, between some of those bigger organisations and, and some of the smaller ones as well that, are, that, that have been doing the work, but sometimes need that extra um, support from a bigger organisation that would be able to amplify the work that they're already doing, um, which I think is a good thing. Um, and just across the board, I think there's going to be a lot more diversity. I'm going to, I think we're going to see a lot more changes within the, the leadership teams. And I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful for that. I can't say exactly what this is all going to lead to, um, but I can say that these are all positive changes and it can only lead to a brighter future for all of us. Brilliant. That's a wonderful message, Agnes. And for those that are interested in learning a little bit more about what we've discussed today, specific to your topic area, but the wider EDI conversation, would you recommend any material, books or articles for people to read? Sure, definitely um, my article. Of course. <laughs> um, which I hope that you'll, you know, I hope you'll put a link there, which is on the National Institute of Health Research. Um, and it's about service user in, involvement and engagement, particularly um, why are black women not engaging in research and what can be done to change this. So that's definitely one that touches on a lot of the, a lot of the points that I have um, spoken about um, in this fantastic podcast. I also recommend um, Kendi's Brathwaite. Um, she's got a book out. It's a Sunday Times bestseller now called I'm Not Your Baby Mother. Um, as as you've probably gathered, I'm my area of expertise, particularly in the kind of maternity and perinatal and early year sector. And her book is really about the black British experience of being a mother you know, as a black woman in, in, in Britain. And actually, can you believe it was released this year, 2020? That's the first book of its kind. Can you imagine that? The first book um, highlighting the black British experience of, of you know, becoming a mum and being a mum and the challenges um, that go through that. It's a fantastic read um, and you can download that on Audible. And I, I recommend any and all um, to read that, even if, even if it's not um, maternity or pregnancy is not your sector, it's not really about that. It's just about the different layers and the different intersections of, of being a woman and being black and being British and, you know, all the different layers and so forth. So that's a really good book. Um, also, one of my, my favourites as well, um, Afwa Hirsch, um, Brit-ish. Um, I, it's, it's a fantastic book, again, that touches on 
a lot of the points that we're talking about, but in a very conversational way, um, but obviously weaved in with the evidence and, and the facts to back it all up. Brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. And I've just got a recommendation on my own, which I've just, it's a book I finished for the second time because I found oh, it. Okay. It was absolutely... I've got my pen and paper. <laughs> so it's called, you've probably heard of this, Agnes, but it's called Natives, Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire okay. by Akala. And this book came out a couple of years ago, so it should be quite easy to get a hold of. And I saw Akala um, do his talk for The Guardian. And just to really read that book gives you a true understanding of some of the issues that we've spoken about today, the historical injustices, but also a roadmap for the future. And that's what I really like about Akala's, or Dr. Akala's book. Um, he talks about some of the historical um, prejudices, discrimination faced by the Black and Asian communities, but also it provides a roadmap of how we should see the world in, in the current day, which I found really fascinating. Um, Agnes, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you to really listen to your story, to your journey, the way you've come into the sector and all the fantastic work that you're doing. So thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It was wonderful to speak to Agnes today to explore some of the key themes of her work as engagement lead at Best Beginnings, but also her wider experience in the maternity and perinatal mental health world. I thoroughly enjoyed today's conversation with Agnes and there were a number of key points which were raised. Agnes made a powerful argument to ensure that organisations are truly representative of the communities that they are aiming to serve. We also touched on the importance of engaging with local organisations building trust within communities and listening and learning from your beneficiaries and service users. Thank you very much for listening and that leads me to thank our corporate sponsors, our platinum sponsor, Charity People, for enabling us to share insights, expertise and best practice across the third sector, Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Aksumit for our website design. You can check it out at www charitychat.org.uk and Forrester Fools who have been playing throughout and are playing us out now. <laughs>